The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm Sapphire My pronouns are him, his, and he. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! Okay, what are we drinking today? A new martini. Uh, it's a cl- the classic Earl Grey martini. Oh, okay. So you have to kind of plan ahead and brew a real strong brew of Earl Grey. Uh-huh. And then you mix that with vodka or gin, although when I hear Earl Grey, I thought immediately of Hendrix. Right. And they caution you not to garnish it. They say the most you can add would be a cherry. Uh-huh. So I see a so cherry. So I see a cherry. But my instinct was like, oh, lemon twists, you know. But yeah. I think it's because it might overpower the, the subtlety of the Earl Grey. Right. So we're going to try it and see what it tastes like. It's pretty. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think I would taste it, but I did. You really get the tea. I know. Can you believe that? It's really not a... It's only a, a third of the part of gin. But the tea's pretty strong, though. Yeah. But... You get it in a way like it's floral with the botanicals in Hendrix. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it definitely plays with the botanicals. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> okay, great. No. I, I like my martinis to not have flavored stuff stuff in them. Well, what know? if I didn't tell you it was a martini? I just said, this is a cocktail. <laughs> but you bet you have martini in your head. Well... You know, you raise a fair point because there's so much in the expectation of language. Like like when you say it's a martini, you have an expectation of a certain thing. But if you'd called this a... Earl Grey cocktail. Yeah, an Earl Grey... Yeah, so for example, I would go, I could taste Earl Grey. Yes. You know? Yeah. It still is not my favorite type of this type of drink, but it is an idea about the way you can infuse teas into flavors as well. Yeah, I so, happen to think that a, a lemon twist would do well in it. See, that's what I thought. I've never made it before, so I was following, following their, their guidance, guidance on yeah. this just to try to be a purist about it and make it and see what it really tastes like yeah. before I start dinking with it. But I do think a lemon twist would have been good. Mm-hmm. Cause, because I was thinking about along the lines of tea. When I have right. Earl Grey tea, I'd have lemon in it. Absolutely. So yeah. that's why I would put lemon in Right. Interesting drink. The tea stands out on its own. I think what the lemon would do is it would balance it a little bit 
and you would have a, a different experience of the drink. It wouldn't be quite so tea forward. Yes. And this is, you know, you said there's not much tea in it, but still it's quite it's tea amazing. forward. amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 Interesting drink. Yeah. It's a breath play. Yes. Yes. You know, I first became aware of breath play mm-hmm. um, about five years ago. There was a couple on FetLife. There were an older couple, but they were like deeply into latex play and leather. Okay. And they used to put these incredible videos up. And the way the videos went was she who was like decked out head to toe in, in latex with a huge dildo uh-huh. cock. And he was tied down, mm-hmm. like strapped to the table with like heavy leather straps and sure. stuff. And his cock was like wound really tight with like Cording cord or something. Or something. Mm-hmm. And what she would do is she'd put a plastic bag over his head and beat him off to make him come. Wow. And so I used to watch these videos and go, wow, that's like so intense, right? But the breath play part always kind of like played with my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then later, I saw another video, also latex, and this one was of a uh, a woman who was in latex with a mask, kind of like the one you have, mm-hmm. that she was breathing through... A bubbler. Yeah. And so she was getting like less and less oxygen as time passed. Mm-hmm. And she was just like out. Like she wasn't like out cold. Like she was still she was still awake. Mm-hmm. But she was very lethargic. Yeah. And the Dom would like bring a vibrator and make her come while she was like really lethargic. Lethargic. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. So that so that was my sort of context of breath play mm-hmm. in the past. And over the past couple of years, we've talked about breath play more and more. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about how it relates to swimming and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that. So the thing that, that I want to get at is we're not talking about choking. No. We're not talking about grabbing the neck and squeezing. No. You know, Which is I've, a totally different fetish. Totally different, yeah. I've played in the past with breath play with a submissive where I've covered her mouth and nose. Yeah. While I'm fucking her. Right. And, you know, she sort of struggled to breathe through my fingers. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done that. I think I've done that with you, too. Yeah. In the past. I remember, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that was my context for breath play. And what I think about it is, is like there's a certain level of disorientation with CO2 toxicity. Sure. You know, there's a deep water dive in Florida in a cave. It's a cave dive. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and it's free drive, free diving, right? Free diving. And there, it's the the it's a freshwater dive, and the water is so crystal clear that when you get down to like a hundred and fifty feet, there's signs that are written that say things like "Do not go deeper than this." Mm-hmm. And then you go down further, and there's signs that say "Absolutely turn back now." Mm-hmm. And then you go down a little bit further, and it says "Check your your." Uh, air gauge and mm-hmm. leave if you if you go past this point you're probably going to die mm-hmm. and you know people look up and they see the ceiling like right there they, because it, because it's so it's clear it's so clear that they they literally stop believing their instruments and they get down to a point where they become hypoxic and they start literally like just not believing what they're seeing 
And so I've always had that context of it because I was a diver, right? I always sure. had the context of hypoxia being like a, there's a point in hypoxia where you start to become a little disoriented. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered like how that would play with orgasm. Right. Right. So that was kind of, that's my interest in breath play. Okay. Is okay. how to, how to bring sexual ecstasy into a space where you're hypoxic. Mm-hmm. to see what happens right so what happened today <laughs> well much different than when like my experience in swimming with hypoxic we yeah. actually do i know hypoxic training is in the water a dangerous thing most pools will not allow you to test it or do it there's actual signs about it even at the pool i work out now there was a couple deaths because really there were unskilled people doing underwater swimming back and forth under the water and then the soldier died basically wow so they they ban it right and a lot of pools do however when you get to where i've coached before at the goodwill games pool olympic caliber pools when you're training a very high level athlete hypoxic training for the sprinter um, not for the distance swimmer, but for the sprinter, um, has value. Yeah. You have a couple things going on there. Lung capacity, increasing lung capacity, volume yeah. on inspiration, which swimmers are pretty good at inspiration volume. However, it actually increases with hypoxic training. However, you have to be extremely careful and well-trained and you have to build someone up in hypoxic training in the pool. So I'm not advocating anyone doing that without training. I've been a swimmer since I was five, and I've been trained in hypoxic training when yeah. I was training for the trials, for swimming, actually. And then um, I started incorporating with runners, which everyone laughed because they said, well, the runner can just breathe when they want. I said, but the whole point is the discipline of not breathing. Right. The whole idea is, too, a swimmer can come up for air. Now, they can get hypoxia to the point where they where they pass out, and then you have to go get them kind of thing. I get that. Whereas if a runner did that and passed out, they'd fall and roll across the ground, but then there's air right there. So I get the dangers between the two, but those are the things. So when I was hypoxic training in the pool, which is different than what we did today, there's two different methods. I would fill my lungs with lots of air to the point of extreme inhalation like extreme filling of the lungs and I tr- I've tried that a couple times to see if I could go any further with more what I found is not putting too much stress on the lung capacity is actually better it does create less O2 but you actually can go further because you learn to go off of other gases basically yeah, when we were diving we, we used to do a trick where we would blow off CO2 mm-hmm by puffing mm-hmm. to blow off CO2 and yes. then take a deep breath and then dive because that would give you your increased oxygen. So, so we do do that in the shallow end. You'll, yeah. you'll start in the shallow end usually or on the edge of the pool yeah. and you'll do what we call a hyperventilation type of right. move and then you go. But the point is there's a point where you can inspire and get a huge amount of lung where you actually feel the pressure in the, your rib cage. We found that not as good because the pressure of the lung against 
the actual ribs created some kind of aggravation right. and and released chemicals which would make you want to inspire you know take a breath quicker yeah you couldn't go as far but if you slowly breathe in just almost to that point but not to the point of full lungs you could actually go further and over time you'd train your athletes so that when they would do certain drills they would purposely breathe hypoxic for example a simple very minor hypoxic type technique is we make you you get to breathe on the odd laps every three strokes every four strokes every five strokes every six strokes every seven strokes every eight strokes right every so, nine so strokes. I, I get that you've been trained in right? hypoxic breathing so well, how does that relate? but what i'm trying to say is when you do that in the water because there's a risk of death okay um there's a point uh, that is very clear that you have to come up you have to time out it's game over right and you're trained in that so that's it's distinct you know it and that's it okay so like when we use the plastic bag earlier yeah so what, let's just let's just describe what we did so you have a gas mask yes, with a long with a hose tube. yeah yeah and so one day i thought well you know maybe i can get you to breathe hypoxic air yeah by putting a plastic bag on over the, the end of the tube and you would fill and unfill the plastic bag. And it bag. made sense because you blew up the bag. I, we didn't think it all the way through, but it made sense. But right. with the way the gas mask works, it only pulls in air from from the tube yeah. and exhales through the face through mask. Through a vent, right. So then what happens is as soon as I took a couple of breaths, I had already pulled all the air out of the bag and it was sucked up against. And now it's creating no oxygen. No oxygen, right. So all. that didn't work. So what we did today was instead of that, I, I got a brown, a small brown paper bag from the store. Yeah. And on my walk home, I crumpled it up and crumpled it up. Yeah, so, so it's it soft, fly, pliable. Yeah. And then I just attached it with a rubber band, not too tight, mm -hmm. so that you know if you breathed in all the air in the bag, you would still be catching air through yes. through them. So my experience with that is totally different than hypoxic swimming. Okay, good. Because hypoxic swimming, although I'm doing things while we're having sex and I'm saying our sex is vigorous, um, when you're swimming mechanically, the it's amazing how fast the O2 is used up. Right. Like quickly. Even if you're calm, and most hypoxic swimmers will learn to be very calm, very zen. Sure. Like, they're still swimming fast, but there's a way they're swimming fast that's zen. And you can pull it. But let's just say that's only, you know, if you're talking about a long course pool, that's, you know, we're talking less than a minute. Right. Okay. Um, and most sprinters will not breathe the whole length of the pool. Right. So they've trained themselves to that. That's great. Okay. So with this, the bag, I felt, when you put the bag on, I felt immediate restriction. But all it did was make my breath shallower. So instead of fighting it and trying to breathe deeper... And in a more panicked way, I just calmed down to Zen and was shallow breathing and had plenty of air. Okay. Then there became a point at some point when I noticed I was getting full breaths, but it wasn't all air. And that's because we had the ability for the bag to take in some O2, but the amount of air that's in that bag is a lot of CO2. Right. So as I'm in so as I'm taking air in, I'm getting more CO2 over time than I'm getting oxygen. Right. 
And as our sexual play progressed, you're getting more invigorated. Yeah, I'm breathing breathing more. more. I'm breathing harder. I'm coming. I'm panting, all these things. So what I noticed just for myself, and I know I was getting high. I could feel I was getting high. And it's it's not high like even like um, pot or anything like that. It's... It's a different high. It's very much in your head high. Right. And um, so you're a little spacey. Things are kind of in slow motion. Not really, but kind of. Or you feel slow somehow. And then I started noticing first that the air was stale, I guess I would say. Yeah. But I could eat, and which could make me panic. It can make anyone panic. But what I said to myself was, it's just warm air. That's all it is. It's just right. warm room air. Right. Just go with it. So I kept going with it, which lets me fall deeper. And then I started noticing things, and I was pretty high at this point, where I was like, kind of going, wow, the air has a perfume of bag to it, like paper bag. Huh. Like I'm tasting paper bag almost. Huh. Isn't that weird? And, you know, I'm having these weird conversations with that. That's so weird that... In the meantime, you're getting fucked and flogged. Yeah, and and I'm orgasming all this stuff. And um, by the time we finished with ass play, we moved to you eating my pussy towards the end. Um, I was like almost two-headed about what was happening. And I explained to you, when I got really high with the hypoxia, um, the way I experienced orgasms was almost like I was parallel lines to my orgasm oh, interesting. and there was some kind of resonance between me and my orgasm like i was following it perfectly no matter how it twisted and turned but i wasn't right in it i was parallel to it it was bizarre and i was still orgasming still feeling it but i was detached in that way interesting and then you know we talk about post of course i'm now I'm getting air, and that creates actually a euphoria that's really bizarre. Like you're, it's as if I, I've never had an adrenaline shot, but it's, but I can only imagine it's like that. Like you've had CO two for on a higher concentration than you had O two, and all of a sudden now you have higher O two than yeah. CO two, yeah. and so you're you you almost heady from that transfer. Like that's right. almost like mind blowing in itself. Like you don't know what to do so when we were kissing after that i was kind of very heady and then of course there's a i was dazed i was not confused but i was awkward if you will like i told you my hips aren't working you know things weren't working (laughs) and um i got to the bathroom and everything was fine and then I was really subby and high, so I was like getting ourselves prepared for the drink later in the day. I was kind of busy myself, like moving around. And then I sat down, and then the headache came. Right. The hypoxic headache. And it's very pointed, and it's one space, one part. And it lasted, I mean, we started this around four, so I have to imagine it's a couple hours. Right. That singularity kind of a headache, a migraine, like right in that spot, but not enough to make me sick or make me stop doing anything. It was just something I could notice, like it's right there. I can touch it. It's right there. And that's the CO2. Yeah. Uh, Has that gone now? It's almost gone. Almost gone. Yeah. 
So what do we learn about breath play? It, it's it's interesting. Something I would explore. I don't know where it can go. You know, I just I don't know much about it. Um, I want to be careful with it, obviously. Um, but what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is you pass out from lack of oxygen. You're right. You're That's right. the worst that can happen. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're out, you're out. And then we take the mask off. Exactly. And then you recover. Yeah. That's the worst that can happen. Now, it's not inconceivable yeah. that that could happen in a way that has you fall. You're right. You know, so... Right. So if you're upright and you fall, that's different. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're on the chair or on the ground and, and you, you just kind of fold, just kind of fold, right? Yeah. So that's the worst that can happen. And we're not again. I want to make sure that people understand we're not talking about choking. So if no. you choke somebody, there's a risk of a vasovagal response where you actually shut down the arteries to the brain. Right. And the other thing that could happen is if you grab somebody's neck with your hand. You can actually fracture their hyoid bone mm-hmm. because that's the tongue bone, and there's only one way to break it, and that's by squeezing it. Mm-hmm. And so, if you grab somebody by the neck, you know, up high, there's a good chance you fracture their hyoid bone. Mm-hmm. Also, very bad. So we're not talking about choking. Yeah, and and the human response is if you run out of oxygen, you pass out. Yes. But the automatic response is to start breathing. Yes. The, the body will start breathing. Yeah. Because it, it, that's just how it works. It, uh, albeit we're not choking and all that other things. Right. So the idea is it's like fainting. Exactly. I had a niece who would cry herself into a faint. Wow. And she would like pass out. And then I would, I would like freak out because I was a kid. I didn't know. Yeah. They go, oh, no, no, she's fine. She'll just wake up. Right. That's what happens, right? You just kind of right. faint and then you start breathing normally. You know, what I want to play with is explore it more um in the sense that how does it change orgasm obviously well that's the part i'm interested in for me though it's the after effects if it ends up getting more and more headaches or more and more of that after thing i don't i have to figure out whether what we'd rather not play with that right? right yeah and everyone's physiology is different, so I'm just saying what my physiology is doing. Right. Um, but but I also know from my experience with hard hypoxic training in the pool, I get headaches. Yeah. You know, during practice. Yeah. I'd be getting headaches. So, I mean, that's kind of a thing. Part it's of a the, warning of the response for your body to say, hey, you're not getting enough oxygen. Right, right. Really. Um I had the experience. But I didn't have that during the play. I didn't have any headache during the play or anything like that. I was just very parallel to myself. Right. We went um, with my kids. We went up to Colorado. We drove sort of through Colorado. Yeah. And there's a pass that's about, I want to say, 9,000 feet high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's a staircase in the top of the pass to climb. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody, like, climbs a staircase, yeah. and it's so hard because you feel so heavy. Well, my kids, who were all teenagers, challenged me to run up the stairs. So we Ooh. ran up the stairs, yeah, and we, we hiked down. And when we were driving down, I got that same headache, that same sort of headache you're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. And hypoxia. And you get it from just elevation training, right. even. Yeah. I mean, on my um, prior marriage on our honeymoon, we went to the Continental Divide and did a whole mountain biking tour up there. Well, we went from lowland right up there yeah. in a day, and now we're riding even higher. Right. 
and we're riding all day hard. And I was like, why do I feel sick? Kind right. of sick to my, it was altitude sickness, you know, right. altitude. So that's, the, so that's the similar sort of idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, the way it occurred to me from a sort of management standpoint is I was never concerned about you. The reason I was never concerned is because I was listening to you breathe. I was watching the bag breathe, mm-hmm. and I was listening to you moan Oh yeah, sexually. I was verbal. You were very verbal. And, and what was interesting was the way you were moaning really softened, like you became this really soft moaner. <laughs> yeah, but I was paying attention to yeah. to see like how does this how does this work like what's going to happen to her mm-hmm. right here because we mm-hmm. hadn't played with it before, and um, I just have this scene in my head of this woman sort of lethargically coming, you know. So mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what I was hoping you would experience is mm-hmm. this sense of being just like out of your body and just having. Like, and that's what it, that's why I say parallel. It feels out of your body in the sense that you're parallel to it. Mm. You're not quite in your head experiencing orgasm. You're beside it. So how did the orgasms change? When you're beside it it for me it was um, was it more intense or less intense? Less intense, but different. But different. And so I don't mean to say less intense, like, okay, that means it's not as good. That's not it. It's just different. It was way more, even though my, you know, my genitals are being stimulated. It was way more heady orgasm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Well, I think it's something to explore some more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything else you want to say about breath play? Well, I think people need to be careful and watch their own limits. And, and that you can't be a diehard and do it till I, you know, whatever. I think you really need to build slowly because every single person is different. And the idea is not go from zero to 60. It's like to slowly, it's a marathon. Slowly build yourself up in your breath play. Yeah. I would agree. I don't think that's something I would do with somebody where there was a lot of fear involved because I think yeah. that would that would create a um, sort of a, a more adrenaline response, which is not the response you want. Right, which can cause, you know, restriction yeah. on things. I know that adrenaline is a vasodilator, you know, a little vasoconstrictor. vasoconstrictor. So right. the reality is you have to be you have to be cognizant of what's all those, happening. All those yeah. pieces. Yeah, it's very sexy. It's just the idea of you, you know, what I mean. Well, you know, we've seen sexy, I've seen sexy images of people in latex and they're, you know, locked to a railing and they've got a bubbler or they're they're doing something. And it's just about almost a meditative, there's no sex happening even. It's just more of a meditative, like, can you calm your breathing to a point where you can handle the lack of oxygen? Right. And it, you know, it's an interesting, as a swimmer, it's an interesting thing for me. Well, if you think about, like, the ways we can experience our sexual Mm self-expression, we can increase the intensity Mm -hmm. of things, like we can add impact play and needles and rope or whatever, right? We can also restrict things, like we can use rope and things to constrict and and joints and, and what have gags you. and gag yeah just blindfolds like, and things to take away sensory yeah 
So what this is, this is just playing with the gases that we live inside of. Yeah. And so that's an interesting aspect to like how does like where can we play with sex inside of the sort of atmosphere mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And so I thought that was so so interesting. Yeah. And I just feel like there's like that magical mystical orgasm that's available in a like slightly hypoxic state mm-hmm. that's just not available in an ordinary state. Oh yeah. And and that's you know, and I'm speculating. I don't know. Right, right. But I do know that when you alter the amount of oxygen you're getting in your brain, your brain works differently and you start to hallucinate or perhaps just not process things the way you ordinarily should. Right. Which is why I started that conversation by talking about that dive. Mm-hmm. Because people literally just don't process information. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, okay, so I know you're a very sexual creature. Can mm-hmm. I get you to process information when your brain isn't processing information ordinarily? <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? And so yeah. So that was kind of my that's kind of my my orientation to it. So I think it's, it's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!